Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by Seb stafford Blore. Hello, Seb. Hello, Joe Devine. How are you? I'm very well. It's lovely to see you. Also you. Also JJ Bull the Bullet. Hello, Joe. There we go. That's fine. Uh, lots of stuff to be talking about today. We'll kick things off uh, with discussion uh, related to the invasion of Ukraine, of course. Uh, there's been lots of uh, impact on, on football, with uh, Roman Abramovich in particular will be discussing that. And of course, uh, all things FIFA too. FIFA have um, reacted to the ongoing situation related to FAs around Europe. Uh, refusing or saying that their football teams will refuse to play Russian football teams. Uh, so that is uh, top of the billing for us to discuss today. But it won't be just that. Uh, Liverpool, of course, won the thing. We'll talk about that thing that they won and in the manner in which they won it. The Elza, he's gone. So we'll talk about that. Um, West Ham won a game of football, as did Manchester City. Surprise, surprise, that's at the end. Because who cares about that? Stop listening before then, you know? That won't be worth it. Don't persevere until that point. It won't be worth it. Perseverance is not required there. But do you know where perseverance is required? Where? Plugging the athletic. I do it every week. But I'm happy to do it because of the high quality material available for you to read and discuss on theathletic.com. That's right. Visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to find yourself some kind of deal that you can get attainable to you. Probably a sort of free trial deal. Maybe for a month. 30 days for a pound or something. I think it's know. 30 days for free. That's very good. Try before you buy. Good, good deal. And uh, it's quite a good time to try because there's lots of interesting things on there uh, this weekend. So uh, visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to try before you buy. 30 day free trial. There we go. Very exciting. That's everything, is it? Is that all the admin done? Yeah? Fine. I think so. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Well, uh, I'll leave you then in the uh, the warm hands and the cool embrace of uh, Seb stafford Blore and uh, JJ Bull the Bullard. So there's quite a lot to digest with what's happening, the invasion of Ukraine, Seb. Um, there's the Abramovich part of it, which we can discuss uh, perhaps afterwards. Maybe we should come to FIFA first, because as far yeah. as I understand, there are several FAs, football associations around Europe, that have already come out essentially in support of Ukraine and said, uh, we won't have our football teams and or sports teams be facing Russian football teams and or sports teams. In some cases, regardless of what they call themselves, which I think you can explain to me now as a result of the first FIFA response. Yeah. So essentially FIFA have been kind of outmaneuvered here because by the time they announced their sanction in inverted commas Sunday night and the weekend had been spent watching people or hearing from uh, individuals within the game or football associations within the game who had stolen a march. So first out of the gate, Polish FA said that they wouldn't be playing any fixtures against any Russian teams in any competition. That included sort of individual comments from Wojciech Szczesny, who spoke very eloquently and very well about this. Robert Lewandowski also spoke out. And by the end of the weekend, the Czech Republic Football Association, the Swedish Football Association, the English FA, they'd all followed suit. It's worth pointing out as well, I think the Swiss FA said that their team wouldn't be playing Russia's team mm. in the Women's Euros in, the, in, the, in their opening game, yeah. which I guess is a, the first sort of significant milestone along, yeah. along the coming course. Well, I, I suppose also because Poland are playing a World Cup qualifier against um, the Russian uh, men's team. But I think the point here is that you have two types of response. The first is kind of the, the individual football associations being very definitive and 
should be point out now that we're recording this on Monday lunchtime and mm -hmm. by Tuesday I expect there'll be many more joining this camp. Yes, um, so it's possible that FIFA will have issued a, maybe, a statement between yeah. now and then. Well, I think that's probably quite likely because the statement they did release was uh, well, very meek. They said basically, paraphrasing here, that they wouldn't allow Russia to play in full stadiums, wouldn't allow them to play under the identity Russia. They said that they would allow them to play but uh, under the identity of RFA, RFU. Russian unified RFU. Football. I don't know. Either way, it's very it's very FIFA response because it's a it's sure. kind of it's a you mean by which you mean it's a nothing response. It's a sanction that without being help a, anyone. Yeah, because it's a non-sanction. Means they'll have to go and make another thing later. It's a way of appearing to take action without actually taking any action whatsoever. Yeah. So it's a kind of it's a box ticking exercise. It's a we've done a thing. We've done a thing. We're not doing nothing. Yeah. But. In a way, they are doing it's absolutely It's like when nothing. I'm, after dinner time, I'm yeah. on the couch. Yes. There's a scattering of crockery on the table, and uh, I want to indicate to uh, my wife that I'll be doing the washing up. But all I really do is organise the plates on top of each other on the coffee table yeah. and then sit back down. You know I, well, no I, I would say that you aren't even organising the plates at all. I think you're just moving them around the table. Kind of. You know, they're yeah. in the same place. They're just as dirty. No, for sure. They need just as much attention. Yeah. And yet you have done something, but you haven't contributed sure. to did the I completion mention, of the task. Did I mention that my wife is Gianni and Fancy? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Because he's always doing that to me, yeah, as yeah, evidenced by now. Do the washing up at all. Yeah, fine. No. Okay, well, that's, that's the FIFA, the initial FIFA response. Of course, FAs have come out since then, some of them, as you mentioned, yeah. and said, no, even with what you're saying, still no. I think the Polish FA did this. There's a, and again, as you said, there'll probably be more. This situation is not going away. And no. I, I can't see any scenario in which Poland play Russia. It, it, this, this is certainly with the current state of affairs come their World Cup qualifier. I say the first one of significance being the Women's Euros because it's the first actual tournament yeah. coming up, working out how the World Cup works. I mean, at this stage, with World Cup qualification, the way that FIFA, of uh, what their decree is, Basically, they would be saying, well, Russia would kind of get through on a technicality then because teams not playing them would presumably incur the penalties. Yeah, so Chesney touched on this when he, um, when he issued his statement. He talks about the possibility of that. But I, I think there's a, a sort of a, a, an unwritten pressure here because if someone like Wojciech Chesney or Robert Lewandowski says, well, I'm not going to play. This is my personal responsibility. Whatever happens, I'm not going to play. Yeah. Well, if you're not going to play, that requires a replacement, a different goalkeeper, different centre forward that puts whoever that would be in a terrible situation. Mm -hmm. And so whatever the stance remains, you can't have a situation where Poland put out a second team or the Polish FA roll, yeah. roll back. By the way, there's no indication that the Polish FA would do that. They yeah. are, have been the kind of the most vociferous of all the football or associations. Or there are Polish players who would choose to do that. Exactly yeah. that. We don't know that. We're just, um, we're guessing our way through the situation. So this is what I really, I meant by FIFA had, um, had been beaten to the punch really, because by the time their, their statement came out, it was obvious that none of these football associations were going to accept the sanctions handed down because the statements that they had individually issued were already much stronger mm. and already put them in a position where it would be impossible for them to take a step back. It would be yeah. so definitive. You can't then say, oh, yeah, and on second thoughts, it's fine if you don't play a national anthem. You just yeah. can't. It's Oh, untenable. I didn't realise they weren't going to play the music. That's exactly that. Oh, oh, it's going to be the same players, but actually with a different identity and a slightly different kit. It's not going to watch it. So yeah. this is a point of no return. And also... FIFA, if nothing else, is a political organisation, it is a political animal, uh, the damage of, what, defaulting Russia through the World Cup draw to the point where they win the World Cup? Mm. Sure. Can't do it. 
It doesn't Can't seem do it. like that's the correct idea. Don't think so. But also that strikes right at the heart of the game's credibility and... Yeah, can't do it. So I'd imagine by the time this podcast comes out, we will have a revised. No, this is actually what we meant kind of statement from FIFA. But yeah, watch this space, I guess. Worth saying as well, I suppose, on a personal note, I feel a bit bad for the sad for the for the players of the Russian national team, uh, who, of course, have not caused this situation. And it's worth pointing out as well. We've seen lots of um, posts on social media and statements over the over the weekend from people within Russia who very clearly do not support the, the invasion of Ukraine. We've got lots of Russian listeners. We have an, a lo- an awful lot of Ukrainian listeners as well. I'm curious to to understand now how this relates to the situation with Roman Abramovich because that's a, that's a tricky one as well, Seb. Yeah, yeah, tricky one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tread very, very carefully. Um, sure. So uh, the latest with this actually is that we think that Roman Abramovich has been requested to be part of the some kind of uh, peace brokering talks right. at the request of the Ukrainian government. That's the latest news as of 12.22 on Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that is going to happen or has in fact taken place, but that's the latest breaking news. With respect to Chelsea, situation a little bit more vague because... Stewardship. Makes me think of uh, Gondor. Well... Remember Gondor? I don't know. I don't know who that is. Gondor. It's just Lord uh, of the Rings. In oh. the land of Lord of the Rings and in Middle-earth. You did Earth. use your, your Lord of the Rings voice for that, Gondor. so I could have guessed, yes. Well, Gondor is the, is the city of men in Lord of the Rings. It's a sort of, you know, the unofficial capital of, the, of, the, of, the, of, of humans. The London of Lord the, of the Sort Rings. of the London, yeah. yeah okay. And uh, it's, uh, it's neighboured by the river town of Skiliath. <laughs> and, of course, that's, it's one of the closest uh, uh, geographical locations to Mordor. Mm? where the orcs and Sauron, obviously, are coming from, making their birth. The the, the orcs and what? Sauron. What is a Sauron? What is a Sauron? Is that a people? Is that a a type of, is that like a a goblin? Sauron? Have you not seen Lord of the Rings? Good Lord. Okay. I don't know. Is that the eye? Sauron the is the big, the big bad evil guy. The, the, the worst eye. guy. The eye on fire. Well, he, the, it's called the eye of Sauron, but that's, that's, that's just one of his tools. He's a... Where does he, he live? Where does he, he lives in Mordor. With the... In a house? I've never seen his house. I think actually he's killed by a sealed door uh, 3,000 years before the beginning of the story of Lord of the Rings. And he's sort of trying to rematerialize. So he never actually really rematerializes. He kind of lives in the eye. Yeah, fine. He lives in the eye. Anyway, the point I'm saying is that Gondor, uh, Gondor's true king, of course, Aragorn, is uh, doesn't want it. Yeah, he is the he is, no, Aragorn the spider. He's 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 the he's in the family lineage of a sealed or Aragorn is not the spider. No, no, that's, who's the spider? I can't remember the spider's name. Aragorn. Very Aragorn was Man United's name in like Pro Evolution Soccer Two. Do you remember that? No. The sp- oh, Shelob. The spider's name is Shelob. There you go. Shelob the spider. Like, the point I'm making is that stewardship, right? Yeah. The steward of Gondor. There's only been stewards for many many years. This is, this is a complete waste of time. Carry on. So the important point about stewardship as a term is, uh, as has been uh, made clear by uh, many of the uh, athletics, excellent journalists, mm. it's not a legal Did term. Did they use any Lord of the Rings analogies? Uh, Adam Croft might have done. He might have done. But it might have been edited out. It, yeah. He loves the Lord of the Rings. Similarly, he really likes but, it. Um, yeah, it's no, one of his favourite things. It is, but uh, yeah. maybe it just didn't survive the It's uh, not the a edit. legal term. It's not a legal term. It doesn't really mean anything, So also speaking. that statement was issued by Chelsea on Saturday night. Since then, a few very, very strange things have happened. 
One of which is that the stewards themselves, the trustees to whom Roman Abramovich is handing stewardship, in inverted commas, of Chelsea, by Sunday it had been reported that they hadn't actually agreed to that or that they hadn't been consulted before that decision yeah, was made. Yeah, did they know before the announcement? Unclear. Doesn't seem that way, or at least um, several of the people involved within that uh, trustee group uh, claim not to have been aware. Okay. Or not to have been aware until an hour or two before or, or, the... Or they uh, don't know what it means because no one does. Well, join the club because there are not a lot of people... I mean, when, when, the, when the statement was issued, a lot of people kind of recoiled in, in horror. Like, oh, this is very, very dramatic for Chelsea. And two days later, it's not clear at the moment where there is any material effect on Chelsea. Mm. Here's and a question for you. Yeah. Why would he do that? That's a tricky one. You can be speculative, well, I suppose. Yes, and I am. Let's let's put speculating in, in in big block capital letters. Seb's personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with the athletic or TFA football. Probably to create layers of separation. Um, sure. Because obviously uh, Roman Abramovich as an individual could be sanctioned. Should we explain why that should be the case? Or could uh, be the case? Well, let's also say well, you can do that bit. Uh, that's sure. a good bit for you. Yes. Roman Abramovich is yes. what is known sometimes as an oligarch. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's a man who uh, used the, uh, the loans and shares scheme as part of the fallout of the Soviet Union yes. to earn his great wealth. He bought uh, Sibneft, I think it's called, for 100 million pounds or dollars, which was actually worth three billion dollars, something like that. And it is, uh, it is the source of, uh, of all of Roman Abramovich's wealth. And uh, there are various extremely wealthy Russian men, largely known as oligarchs, many of whom are, are around. You know what I'm saying? Okay, and also many of them potentially facing sanction. Yes, um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the nub of why it's difficult to do that. So, okay, th th this is probably I'm finding it difficult. Let's deal with this in the abstract. So, basically, there might be a situation where, as the owner of Chelsea, uh, if Roman Abramovich were to face sanction by the UK, um, by the UK, by the mm -hmm. UK government, uh, his assets could be frozen, and by proxy, that would mean Chelsea's assets. Therefore, by creating frozen. separation, he is at once. Protecting Chelsea, which is what he says. That's what the statement said, yes. And theoretically also protecting an asset that he owns. Yeah, in, in his statement he also talked about he didn't want the attention that he's facing to involve Chelsea. Sure. So uh, he is, uh, again, yeah, trying to distance here's, himself. Here's a question. I don't know if you can answer this or not. Probably not. Because stewardship isn't a legal term. Yeah. Has he actually done that? Unclear. 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 Yeah. Uh, Unclear. I, I think it's very, very telling that 48 hours later, there isn't really a definitive account of what any of this means in the UK press. Yeah. Um, and I don't expect to see one soon. So uh, no. watch this. All we know is in Adam Crafton's piece. Hey, Adam's piece is great. Adam's it piece is, is all about the last, uh, what happened during the weekend at Chelsea, which obviously involves this situation and everything happening in Ukraine, but also preparations for the League Cup final mm. and the uh, conversations between all the kind of the, um, the powers at the club uh, at Wembley on Sunday. Yes. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting and obviously very well sourced, as you'd expect from Adam. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Seb. That was an extremely detailed and intelligent response. JJ, would you like to sing a song about a ghost or something? Or <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Ghosts, boy, living in the a studio. Ghost world. Ghost world. It's Ghost Boy. Here he is. I've lost confidence in this. Yes, you did. I yeah. saw that happen. But that's why I didn't say anything. Yeah. Anyway. I've been talking for a while, so I've sort of gone quiet. Here. No, that's fine. That's fine. You know. And Scotland are playing Ukraine in the World Cup qualifier. Are they? In the playoff, yeah. A chance to show solidarity. Well, this is the thing. So, isn't that quite complicated? Because who wants to be the team that puts Ukraine out? It's in it's at Hamden Park. I don't think Scotland. it'll be Scotland anyway, so I'm, I don't think you need to worry about I mean, that. <laughs> it's the World Cup, obviously. I went, went, went a little through. bit Ali McLeod there with that, I think. Yeah. 
But yeah. I mean, you have to dream. Yeah. 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 But, okay. You know, there are more important things in the World Cup, I guess. This is true. Yeah. Fine. Well, we'll go for a break. And when we come back, we will discuss things that aren't as important as the World Cup. Like Ghost Boy. In his ghost world. Okay. We've returned. What a lovely break that was. Liverpool won the thing. Kepa missed the penalty there. I watched most of the second half and then had dinner and switched off before the penalty. So what was, what was the thing that you learned during this game? What was the thing I learned during this game? Yeah. Did I tell you I learned something? You learned a thing about this game. Did I? As a result of this game. You know, not football related, really. More sort of... Um, oh, the Carabao. Yeah, you found out what Carabao was. I found out what the Carabao was. We were interested to know what you thought it was before. I, it, it sounds like caribou. You know, those sort of those uh, Alaskan deer things. It's a band. I mean, and a band, yeah. Well, a DJ, I guess. I mean, that would be a strange sponsorship. I, I don't know. To, yeah. yeah. I, I genuinely had never paid it any mind before. I never thought about it. I don't know what that says about the sort of value of sponsoring tournaments like this. I know the name Carabao. Maybe if I... I mean, can you see one in a shop? I went to a, a League Cup final a few years ago, and there was a massive promotional bottle of it on Wembley Way. And sort of um, volunteers, employees, uh, handing out samples of it. Oh, I didn't from one big bottle. No, no, the bottle was purely promotional. Oh. Uh, they had little cups, and um, it kind of ruined my day because you know, <laughs> I, some, I, I'm not a, take much. I'm not it? an Alex Stewart. I'm not an, an energy drinker. Sure, an energy drinker. An well, energy he, drink he, drinker. In both ways, Alex Stewart can apply yeah. to that. And um, <laughs> it, it kind of it gave me a lot of bad energy. I didn't right. enjoy it. I, it kind of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Tarnish the memory. Of, uh, Get Bacon. fucked, Carabao. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, your product shit, apparently, according to Seb Stafford Law, not the opinion of the Super Football Podcast. I don't like it. I don't know. I've never had it. But uh, what did it used to be sponsored by the League Cup? Coca Cola. I know uh, that. Worthington. Capital One. Um, Capital One. Milk Cup. Milk Cup. Yeah. <laughs> milk Cup's good. <laughs> no, Milk Cup's a good sponsorship. It's just a funny word. <laughs> Anyway, it doesn't matter who sponsors it. Uh, that's what I learned. I learned that it's an energy drink. I just assumed it was like a reinsurance vehicle or something. I don't know. That's why I assume all of the things are. But, um, you yeah, know, how, how about this? I was thinking over the weekend when I realized that, uh, I thought, does, do people generally know what the sponsors are? You know, do you know what Sharp did, for example? Electronics. I know that you know. But okay. does you, <laughs> let's ask if JJ knows. Do you, JJ, do you know what AIA did? Uh, I'd assume it's some sort of insurance thing. I think it is. But this is the thing, when am I, um, do they genuinely get more custom out of people knowing that? I mean, brand awareness is very important. You put it in, so suddenly it legitimizes it. So that's the whole point. So you're trying to look for insurance and you see, oh, AIA, they sponsor Man United, they must be good. It makes you look like a real thing. Yeah. Particularly, I think it is when you're spending lots of money or lots of money is involved in something, you want legit, right? And with yes. financial companies, it's quite hard, unless you get a recommendation or something. Maybe it is just that you can recognise that trust. they're the sponsor of Man United, therefore you can trust them. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and also, like, most of those sponsorship deals involve, like, an activation strategy. So mm. if it was a financial instrument, then it would involve, I don't know, Wayne Rooney uh, remortgaging his house or something. Then you can think, hey, that's as good as Trustpilot. That's, sure. like, a, that's like a five-star review. Yeah. Wayne Rooney uses it. I'll right, use it, it Listen, if Wayne yeah. Rooney did anything in the financial world, I'd follow it for sure. For well, sure, I mean, for sure. do Big you time. now drink Casillera del Diablo, whoever it is? No, but I know One what it is. One of the great adverts. Yeah. But is, yeah. That yeah. advert exactly. really worked well, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Worked well. What did they say? This is a new devil is coming. They say a new devil, a is, new coming. devil is arriving. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he say something else about him as well? As new devil is arriving, they say he is a legend. 
It's one of the great. He, you don't know what we're talking about. He's a legend because he turns up with some bottles of wine for the lads, eh? I think what everyone must have seen this advert by now. But there's a there's a uh, there's a Man United wine sponsor advert which has Wayne Rooney. Uh, I think it's Patrice Evra and. Um, Ryan Giggs Ryan in it. Giggs, yeah. And they deliver their lines just spectacularly well. Just spectacularly. I was watching television last night and uh, there was a company selling double glazing or something. And sure. they've got a sale going on and they were like, oh, you know, there's, there's savings to be made. And at that point, David Seaman bursts into shot <laughs> with his old goalkeeping gloves on. You just think, really? Like, Genius. Double, where, how'd you go? No, I like that. Yeah. No, but why, why would you... I'd but tell you what, I'd get those windows even if I lived in a cave. And he's chuckling and it's David Seaman. David Seaman has one gear as, sure. a, as a media personality. Yeah. Just chuckles a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know. He's missing the ponytail now, though, isn't he? He is missing the ponytail. But then it's, it's kind of really, you, you built your, your advertising campaign around him. I'd build a campaign around Seaman, for sure. I'd hunt... <laughs> I genuinely meant David Seaman. I really did. I really did mean David Seaman. I did. Okay, I haven't talked at all for any of the really important Ukraine Russia stuff, and I'm just laughing at semen jokes in um, in Germany. I just want to make it 100 percent clear: I actually did mean you did. David you weren't Seaman. Being I wasn't going for a no, low hanging fruit no, joke. No, no. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't you weren't crass. being purile. Yeah, no. No, pu- no purility here. So what what I've noted in my during my time in Germany is that um, ex German <laughs> footballers are used in instead sort of more mature advertising roles. So Bastian Schweinsteiger and his wife Anna Ivanovic, they promote a kind of garden centre. Oh. And there's all these, there's a, a series of adverts in which like Bastian's kind of, he's mowing his lawn and he's looking off into the distance. Anna's got the, the barbecue going. And I bet Basti loves some DIY. He seems to, he really seems to, he loves that DIY company. He's always building a shed on TV. Yeah. And I just compare it to, you know, David Seaman with his, with his goalkeeping gloves sure. talking about like double glazing. Yeah. It's a different sort of advertising culture. Yeah. Very, Very interesting. interesting. Mm. What works for the Germans mm-hmm. works not for the English. Thomas Muller is uh, the spokesman for one of my local furniture stores. Yeah. Bought a sofa from there. Yeah. Well done, Hofner. And go. Thomas Muller. Well, you know, furniture like is all Thomas about Muller. space, isn't it? Sure so, is. And yeah. who better? Who better? Who better to understand space and investigate it? Okay. Anyway, Liverpool won that game, so... Congratulations. I don't know, it's really sad for Kepa. Like, all the pressure coming on as a substitute. Oh, of course. Yeah. Probably not very fair. So tell me what happened. He wasn't playing in the game. No. I heard that Edouard Mendy had a, had a good game. He brilliant was brilliant. Game. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Uh, but they Law, took him off because because Kepa has a higher p- percentage of penalty saved. Is that why? I I don't know. I, th- I, I think it was because he's played other League Cup games, hasn't he? But he put Mendy in for the, most of the game. And there was, I can't remember who, I think Matt Law of Telegraph said that uh, he made one of the best saves he'd ever seen live and um, like a double save I think from Manny yeah. at close range it was absolutely superb yeah. so you'd think he'd have the kind of like he'd be so confident in the zone yeah he's, he's in the zone definitely and then you go into that penalty shootout and you think well you'd have him there but Kepa comes on doesn't save anything doesn't really get close to anything if it's like a, maybe a weak hand he should probably the Van Dyke one where for the Van Dyke penalty Kepa tried to sort of win the battle of wits by moving over to one side of his, his, his goal tempting Van Dyke to go down the other side of course and instead, Van Dyke just absolutely slammed it straight at him at his face. <laughs> it just went in. And Kepa, Kepa if, if Kepa had put up a hand in time, he'd have saved it. It was that close to him. But Poor um, oh boy. That was Tuchel's explanation that he is, by the data, Kepa is technically a better performing goalkeeper against penalties. And uh, saved one in the, in the Super Cup at the beginning of the season. But then Mendy saved one in the AFCON final. The thing is, though, I would wonder if, you know, by all measurable metrics, fine, he is the better penalty saver. 
Is that ever measured in a scenario in a cup final after 120 minutes when he's substituted on without having touched the ball under all that pressure? I think not. Do you know what he comes on and saves it and you see Tuchel's a genius for putting him on and that's, remember in the, was it the World Cup and Tim Krul came on? Yeah. yeah. Same yeah. sort of thing. Like if it hadn't worked, I think Louis van Gaal was an idiot because he's mm. putting them on but it looks like he's a genius that's the that's little things go that that's way fine I margins. suppose so if I remember this rightly Tim Crew replaced Jesper Sillison yeah. who had a famously bad record against penalties the thing with Mendy is like I understand if Mendy had been a, a spectator done nothing in the game you know had a no track record to speak of in penalty shootouts I get it but Mendy's come off winning um, a major international tournament less than a month ago he played I, I, I thought that was one of the, the great performances in a final I've seen in recent memory and he um, saved the penalty no, no, in, in the AFCON final, he saved one of the penalties, that's the other what, one was missed. But what, what I'm, I'm saying, what I mean yeah. is, in this particular game, Mendy had been brilliant. Mendy has created an aura around himself. He has denied Liverpool again and again and again. Mm. I think there's a psychological merit to putting that goalkeeper in goal for the shootout and saying, all right, you can't beat him. You haven't beaten him. Try now. Whereas Kepa, I don't know, I think I've always felt it's, it's slightly, it's a pressurised situation to put a goalkeeper into because mm. a penalty shootout should be a kind of a free hit for a goalkeeper. If you've done nothing in the game, and you come on for penalties and you also end up taking one, that's a difficult spot, particularly for Kepa, who hasn't had the best time at Chelsea. I it's think especially difficult if you take a penalty like it's a goal kick. Yes, that makes it harder. And launch it. Yeah. I mean, the ten, yeah. Kelleher's goal, uh, Kelleher's penalty was absolutely brilliant though. Oh, all the penalties yeah. were actually really well taken. There's a couple, yeah. I'd love to know what an actual goalkeeper thinks, whether some of them are more savable than they were. I think Kelleher was close and could maybe have done better with a couple, mm. uh, with my very limited knowledge of goalkeeping. Mm. Um, but yes... Well done to Liverpool there. Great final. I saw a very funny tweet uh, this morning. I can't, apologies, I can't remember who tweeted it, but they said uh, Luis Diaz ends his long wait for a Liverpool trophy. What's that, a month? God, he's a good player. He is good, isn't he? Yeah. I like him. He's tricky. Yeah. He's a tricky boy. There was a little bit of skill down the the Chelsea right. I think it was in the, uh, it would have been in the second half, where he took a touch and just, I think it might have been, I can't remember who it was against, but... Just touched it around Chelsea fullback and just burst straight into about 20 yards of space in mm. behind him. And it was so quick. It was yeah. so quick. And it was also Lightning. one of the... But it was also one of those where you, you saw the ball coming to him and you saw how quickly he'd calculated what he needed to do and how, and how well he executed it. It was just kind of a... It was like watching um, Eden Hazard at his best. Yeah. It was like that. It was do you know, me. when he was substituted off, I saw the, the, he had the, the highest number by some distance of uh, touches in the opposition box. Did he? Did yeah. He? Okay. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. There we go. Super aggressive player. Okay. In a good way. Good stuff. I think we'll have a break. Ah! That R is to indicate the break is over. Yeah? And also over is the tenure of Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds United. A sad day for everyone, really. Because that was cool, wasn't it? I enjoyed that while it, while it was happening. They're one of the most fun teams to watch. This is the problem. Like, look, they can, Jesse Marsh is going to come in, right? And uh, Has that been announced? Announced now? I don't know if it's uh, Romano's tweeted it. A time of oh, filming. Really? Yeah. Here we go, guy, yeah. Fabrizio Romano. Yeah, you can normally yeah. him, yeah. But regardless, Leeds got promoted from the championship having not been able to do it for years and years and years and years because they went with the Bielsa route. There is no right or wrong tactic. Everyone's now saying that the man-to-man system is the reason why they're so rubbish and they get torn apart. I always say it's actually because they've had injuries to their key players. And if you put oh, better yeah. players in, they'll be much better. It's also what aided them in doing very well last season. So yeah. I don't understand why it's suddenly to blame. I mean, oh, I this is the thing. It's just people, maybe have they've worked out, you can drag them out of position. That's true. But if you have better players, they can react differently in different situations and know when not to get tracked and 
you yeah. know, gives the ball away in silly positions and they can finish chances. Like Dan James, really fast, dribbly boy, cannot finish, cannot shoot. He, sometimes he can. He pulls like a rocket out of 20 yards, sure. out of nowhere. He scored those two goals about two weeks ago, but then had quite a poor performance it's following what, that. I can't figure him out because I would love him to be a great player. He's got like the physical attributes to be a really yeah. decent player. But there's some players who just don't quite have the extra bit. Like Theo Walcott could have been amazing. And sure, mm-hmm. he had a good career. But he didn't quite have the, I don't know, the killer. Well, speaking of the extra bit as well, uh, it's worth uh, reminding uh, that uh, Patrick Bamford's been out almost all season. Right? Bamford's a massive miss. That's yeah. one. Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips is, is huge. The team. Liam Cooper's been out most of the season. Yeah. The goal, and, and, and your confidence drops, then little things happen. Like the goalkeeper's been beaten at his near post a couple of times recently. Melier, uh, really good player, young, you make mistakes. Yep. Uh, that's one of them that he's be, he'll be doing. And then you've had that means you've got to put players in other positions to kind of cater for it. If Bielsa had had his strongest team available. I think they would have been much better off. But if you have to look at the players, they're not actually that good. It's not that mm. good a squad. It's a lot of them are championship people who got promoted. So you've got players like Rafinha, that star by that comes in. Rodrigo's done well. Uh, but he doesn't start every week even. Firpo. Firpo, all right. I've been a little bit disappointed with Rodrigo. Yeah, I mean, he, he was at Valencia before though, wasn't he? Yeah. He was never that big a star there. It was kind of a surprise buy. Rafinha's a top, could play top six uh, Premier League player. But I mean, the system with Bielsa is what got them promoted he improved the players because they were playing in the system that works if you remove one part of that it suddenly doesn't function as automatically it's supposed to and so then it's a bit weaker mm. and even like Man United I remember them tearing them apart just by having by running from midfield because he would take a midfielder and marking them with them and open things up leave space elsewhere there's no like I prefer if I was setting up a team which I'm not a manager so I wouldn't but I, I like a zonal system mm-hmm. but in certain situations whenever I've played really bad level Sunday league I hate when someone's tight to me I hate it because then you can't get away but if you're a good player and you know you've got the run on someone maybe it's better doing that like if you're man-to-man tight another example of man-to-man marking when I see it sort of works and doesn't is um, Aberdeen under Derek McInnes used to always do it against Celtic he used to go man-to-man because if every single player has the better, like the beating of his man is always on, mm. um, or I should say person tonight, maybe parents, so the beating of the person, sure. then they, they, in theory, should be able to negate their influence on the game. They had Luke Ayling was traveling around following, who was it? Oh, uh, Son. Uh, Son. He was trying, yeah. Yes, he was following all out of position. <laughs> but like, so Leeds, Leeds is back there. I know I'm going between the two teams a lot here, but Leeds is, are normally set up as a plus one system at the back. So if they're playing against a team with two forwards, they'll play three. So there's always one free. And the, the, two, spare man, the spare player. Yeah, two defenders will stay tight to the, the, stri- the strikers and they'll go largely where they are. They can hand them over, that's fine. But there's always one spare who used to be Ben White. Like that's, I mean, that was what really helped in the championship was having that player. And then you have players like Liam, Liam Cooper, who's very good and a, like a real competitive player. And I think Ailing, I think Ailing played right back in the championship season, I think. And uh, then Ailing's had to play centre-back a lot and you move other things around. You lose the progressive passes of Ben White, which makes a big difference to how they construct play. Because a lot of it, Bielsa is very, very vertical. They want to go from back to front. Well, Calvin Phillips is so important. He drops into that kind of left half space uh, in the defence to then be able to launch long passes. Losing that means they can't get the ball up top. And they, mm. so they often play, they play a 4-1-4-1 or a 3-3-1-3 with the one in the middle, a very like, like a trick artist that stays in the middle and play builds around them. But without the players to be able to do that properly, they doesn't function. And when you see it with Aberdeen against Celtic, what would always happen is that so if you're plus one at the back, you'd be like minus one at the, the front. So you're, if you're playing one striker, you, the, the whole job of that forward is to like close off the, the goalkeeper passes to a defender. The goal, the idea of the striker is to block the pass to one of the other defenders to f- encourage them to pass another way so other people can push up. But you're minus one in that sort of, um, at that stage of the, the press. 
And then um, I forgot what my point was, but it was really good. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed what you were saying. If I can remember what it was, I'd love to finish it off. Zonal marking makes me feel safer. I think particularly. I rely on the shape. I think it's safer being able to yeah. show things wide. Like I, I, I always think it's really hard. You watch Man City playing against a team who just sit in a, like a block, and you have to put the ball in the box, and sometimes they get away with it. But it's, it feels safer to me than leaving yeah. space. Yeah. And yeah. in Sunday League, I think when people try and play man to man and make you chase down people, I think you should hold the shape because it's harder to play through. It's hard, you have to go wide. I mean, that's just, people have like some managers have their own sort of thing, and Bielsa's has worked for years and years and years. And the best ones are probably a mixture. I think I can't remember. If Cruyff was man-to-man for a lot of his teams. It probably changed from time to time. Kind of hybrid. Yeah. Um, I can't remember my point. But said, oh, yeah, this is what the point was with the, uh, the minus one forward. So if the striker blocks off that, that pass, he's not trying to win the ball. He's trying to block off options. That defender then just travels. And because every... Like, so it's a ball playing centre-back. Christopher Iyer used to do it for Celtic a lot. He's now at Brentford. So then Iyer would just carry the ball forward into midfield, unopposed, because everyone already had a man. And the minute someone then left their man to go and deal with him, someone else was free. And that's how they get overloads mm. like so quickly. The domino effect. And it was just that one goal. And as soon as they score one, suddenly the game changes and they're able to score three, four quick easily like it, it can change everything but if you can every every tactical system whether zonal or man marking even at set pieces or an open play uh will look good sometimes and bad at others but leads crazy open at the moment because they don't have the players i think they're good enough to, to work in the system the way it's supposed to so they're conceded so many goals mm-hmm. like he also said in his last interview post-match that i saw he said um people ask him whether you should play more defensive like why don't you just try and lock it down like the standard thing be like Sean Dyche has done so well at Burnley uh, and he goes well just because it's an option doesn't mean it's the right one roughly I'm really translating badly here paraphrasing I should say but essentially uh, says just because there's other options doesn't mean they're the right ones like there are this system has worked before it will work again it's just these games that hasn't mm. and people judge everything in football with black or white immediately the minute something bad goes happen or something good happens yeah football football I think that's correct the analysis of football well, in, in terms of Bielsa himself, Seb, I think it's fair to say, whilst uh, lots of uh, supporters understand why the, what's happened has happened, um, it, 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 I mean, I suppose it goes without saying that it's a very sad day for, for lead supporters because uh, Bielsa is, you know, has become a bit of a cliche, he's become much more than just a manager of Leeds or a head coach of Leeds. He's very important to the city. Everyone absolutely loved and adored him. Um, I think he, you know, I think he also made some overture as to understanding the decision being made at this time. It's, it's, no one's happy about it. It doesn't really feel like that much of a relief, does it? It's kind of a sad departure. Yeah, I think this was a, a first for me, actually, because I don't think I've ever seen or ever read a um, announcement, an announcement of a manager's departure, and then seen in the, the final paragraph a plan to kind of immortalise that manager in statue. Mm. Or, you know, there was, there was, there's plans for a tribute. I don't know what form that tribute's going to take at Leeds. I uh, haven't seen that before, but I, I think if you if you mix in a couple of things here, first of all, that Bielsa is a Bielsa is a kind of counterpoint to so much of what you see in the day to day of English football, British football over the last sort of forever, and so a character like that, someone who thinks about the game in the way that he does, someone that behaves as he does, he is a natural draw for anybody's affection, sure, and particularly for Leeds. Uh, just consider how miserable it has been supporting Leeds over the past twenty years yeah. uh, at different times, um, and how helpless and how futile it will, will all have felt at different stages. And then you bring in Bielsa, who Bielsa, beyond the, the tactical stuff, Bielsa's big thing is doesn't like to take jobs where he doesn't uh, develop some kind of attachment to the local area. Mm. Um, I forget the phrase he uses, but he, he always talks about um, wanting to wanting to sense something from the local population, local geography. Uh, and so when you have a coach like that, when you have someone who talks about an area as he has done, of course there's an affection for him. And, and 
you know, um, from a literal footballing perspective, he has uh, given Leeds United their dignity back in many ways. Okay, um, didn't feel very dignified being beaten 4-0 by Spurs, but but generally speaking, put them back in the Premier League. Um, JJ's right, there are a lot of championship players in that squad, but a lot of championship players who have improved way beyond the levels they're expected to. Yeah. Also, he has helped to deliver you know, some wonderful footballers. Rafinha is a fabulous player. Mm. Um, if he was sold tomorrow, he'd go for 50, 60 million pounds to a really good club. Rodrigo is a good player. Calvin Phillips, I, I was very touched by Calvin Phillips' statement. I think it was an Instagram post. He talked about how Bielsa had allowed him to become a player that even he didn't feel he could ever be. Mm. Which, beyond all the other sort of the, the, the moaning about Bielsa using a translator and his idiosyncrasies and stuff like that, when players say that about you, that's the thing you should listen to, mm. really. Bamford's the same. Bamford's released a similar statement um, on social media and said much the same thing. Bielsa has given a lot of players a footballing future, which otherwise they wouldn't have had. Bamford's an interesting one, because if you think about how Bamford was treated by Sean Dyche, for instance, Sean Dyche just hated Patrick Bamford by all accounts. And Bamford has spoken about that before in, in interviews. And I, we don't have to go f- too far back to remember kind of all the all the sort of the uh, negativity around Bamford when Leeds got promoted. I think we even talked about it, let's mm-hmm. be fair. I think we all, we, one of the, the, the topics of conversation around that time was, can Bamford score at Premier League level? Mm. Well, yeah, he did. He's got a lot of goals at Premier League level and he won an England cap and that is Bielsa. It's Bamford too, but uh, a lot of managers have worked with Patrick Bamford and got nothing out of him. Yeah. Um, and the same is true of Calvin Phillips. A special guy. Yeah, special guy. Uh, belong, has a special place in football culture and I've never got the kind of the... There was a weird kind of schadenfreude that sort of was uncorked by this, this guy bad using his German words <laughs> on my English speaking yeah. podcast. And I, I, I never understood it. People, the negativity around Belsa, the kind of, oh, yeah, see, he's a fraud. It's like, well, it's because British media rejects interesting, man. Like, yeah, but why? why <laughs> I, I was watching um, uh, somebody put it on Twitter of Keys and Gray doing their kind of get Sam Allardyce in. That was literally the, the recommendation for what Leeds should do next. And it, it's like, I understand if you don't like Leeds, a lot of people still hate Leeds, and for good mm. reason. Uh, but Bielsa is, forget all the tribalism, Bielsa is interesting. The game is better for Bielsa because he's different. He's not just yeah. a, a cookie-cutter coach who uses the same uh, same expressions, uh, talks in the same way, deals with players in the same way, sets his, form, sets his team up in exactly the same shape forever. Mm. Bielsa is different, and he's quirky and weird, and he defends indefensible positions, and he does yeah. silly things, and he's stubborn, but... He makes the game richer and more interesting. Well, also, and, he just uh, seems cool. Like yeah. I, I'm not a Leeds supporter. I feel a connection to to, to Bielsa. I, I watched Leeds because he was there. I loved seeing him sit on his little seat. Yeah. And the way that he uh, the way that he uh, observed the game, the way that he talked. I I I really liked the post match interviews where it's translated uh, well translated on on his behalf because sometimes you'd get a little bit of extra in there, a little bit of sass or like a kind of you know a little, not an eye roll as, as such. But uh, there was it created more. There was an interesting dynamic. I like the guy. It'd be interesting to see what you two think of this. So if I was managing, if I was a head coach and I was no, managing no. In, a, in a in a foreign country, sorry, no. Would oh, you, in a foreign country, yeah. have a way. But, That's fine. But would you not be tempted to use the translator, given especially the British media's um, tendency to willfully misinterpret? Listen, man, I heard your German. You should definitely use a translator. <laughs> a, a couple. You just one. definitely just use one. one yeah. I, no, I agree, because people, as you said, people deliberately well, misinterpret look, look what things. happened to Antonio Conte the last couple yeah. of weeks. Conte probably deserved it, and he was being emotional, as he said. But at the same time, you can... Completely and instantly stumble into that kind of situation sometimes, mm. and so having a having a translator in a uh, media sensitive job like uh, yeah. head coach, 
I don't understand why more people Let's don't do it. Let's not forget how uh, Jose Mourinho got his start, huh? For sure. As the translator no, but, I mean, of Bobby no, Robson. No, I, I, I know. But in what a, Portugal. He's a... I know you know, though some of the listeners yeah, might yeah. not know. Jose is also one of the most respected... Uh, yep. And highly thought of coaches, like you say, like his sure. his little seat. I know it's like he feels like a nice, cool dude, but he was genuinely like a pioneer. Hundred percent. Guardiola and all that had learned so much from him. Like the presentation he did when someone was asking about the scouting, there was that bit against Frank Lampard. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. when he, he had the scout looking over Spy the training gate. ground yeah. and he says, "It doesn't. Uh, yes, we did it, but it doesn't even matter because this is what we already have without that yeah. person." That's just to see little things. The level of detail is crazy. Yeah. And he held. How long was did they in there? Like a few hours, wasn't it? Something like that. Which you wouldn't never get. And everyone sitting there was like, "This is incredible." Just like did a, a verbal dossier on Derby on Frank Lampard, Derby County. Sure. And then funny. I remember Lampard saying, "Like, yeah, well, we do similar stuff." I was like, "I bet you don't. I bet your analysis team doesn't do anything." I mean, this is what Bielsa knows. That sort of yeah. yeah. I did like his little seat though. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, is, that like, was well, looks, my favourite bit about him. The word is iconic, isn't it? It's yeah. Just, yeah, you can. It's like a thing you'd have on a t-shirt or something. Like that. Also, because the question for so long in my mind was, when's he going to stop crouching? Because I find it difficult to crouch as as Bielsa does, and Bielsa is is an, is an older man than I. And his solution: get a little seat. Yes, yes. Before the podcast started, I went next door to have a conversation with a, another athletic employee, mm. and I adopted that crouching position. And then did about, you click? 15 seconds later, it occurred to me that I am now 37 and I yeah. cannot, and I, I fell over. 30 seconds later, it occurred to you that you'd done a poo on the floor. Oh, I just fell over. Yeah. Yes. Um, there you go. My dignity is. There you go. That man's legs as a horse. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ghost boy. Ghost boy. Farewell to uh, Marcelo Bielsa. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming. And uh, look forward to seeing what you do next. Hello, Jesse Marsh. Hello, Jesse Marsh. Should we save that for next week? Sure. Let's talk about Jesse, Mar- Jesse Marsh next week. Sure thing. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, West Ham won nil Wolves. Wolves were heavily rotated. <laughs> I had had a very strong coffee. I'd had a long few weeks. No, the thing is, the reason I say that, I'm reading exactly what Seb's written here because I didn't watch these games. In fact, I was on holiday in Kent. You know, I went to the pitch and putt. The uh, the Tunbridge pitch and putt. Did it have a windmill? A wind? No, 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 not a not a mini golf. Oh, a pitch and putt. Oh, I see. Okay. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. A halfway yeah, yeah. between golf, not full golf. I'm not. That's not. I you. can't play full That's golf, but I can play pitch and putt. Yeah. I'm curious to see what you guys think of this. Actually, my friend Adam, who I went away with to Kent, he really wanted to play golf, and I thought oh, I quite like to play. But I don't belong at the clubs. You, you don't. I don't. No, you I don't. know you know that. Yeah. But you, you can do I, th- See, now this is good because Seb's going to take my side and you're going to take Adam's yeah. side. Adam said it's fine and he's totally right. You just go. If you're slow, you let people play through. Adam doesn't play golf either. He's just a confident man. And if they're, if they're assholes, you just call them, call them a bad word and it's fine. And you're never going to go back there again. You know. But um, I can't do that. Uh. So I had to find a pitch and putt. And in the end, we actually stayed in a place purely based on where the, a good pitch and putt I could find was. So golf clubs are rife with passive-aggressive people who yeah. judge others who aren't as good or as quick as they are. And I am not good. You would also, and, and it was, if, if, you're, if you're a beginner and you are a little bit self-aware to, to start with, yeah. putting you in that situation, it's not good. It's not the, it's not no. the route to a happy weekend. 
No, it's definitely it, it wouldn't have been. And you, you when when things I upset can't hit you, the ball. Well, and also you, you can become a bit angry. Sure, you know. No, I don't. Well, not but, anger. No, no, but it's I'm more that you're quite the people. You, no, but you're quite a big person, and um, you equipping say? you with frustration and the golf club at the same time. I feel like that. You're making that, me out to be like a violent <laughs> You are very tall. I'm non-violent, but I can't play golf anyway. The pitch and putt was empty. Great place though, okay. Tunbridge pitch and putt. I can't remember what it was called, but, uh, you know, it was great there. And then I uh, sat in the driving range as uh, Adam did some driving in the range and uh, listened to the other men, what they were talking about when they were driving in the driving range. And it was great. What were they saying? I can't remember, but just stuff. I would never have these conversations. It's so fascinating. I never hear that. I've got a driving listen range. Listen to the golf men. We've got the driving range quite a lot in Aberdeen to smash some balls down the... And they weren't talking. Yeah. I don't think so. No, these I'm guys too were too busy talking. getting annoyed at myself for not being able to do the Happy Gilmore, <laughs> which I try often. Yeah, I've hurt my hip anyway, so that's why I didn't watch the West Ham Wolves game. You said this was a good game, actually. Yes, it was. It really was. After you've written three paragraphs. Well, the thing about this is I was writing these notes as um, a uh, almost full-scale fight was taking place in a train carriage between an angry, Seb, an angry, an commuter, angry Seb. an angry commuter, and a um, uh, a train manager. It was yeah. very, very strange. So West Ham did enjoy themselves, but uh, they probably missed three or four chances in the second half, which would have made this game uh, safe. Wolves, mm, uh, they got a little bit of a head of steam up after about 60 minutes. No Matinho, no Raul Jimenez, no Daniel Pedence, sorry, no Pedro Neto. Is this, the, is this the first game Wolves haven't won in about 17 games? No, they lost against Arsenal during midweek. Oh, um, oh that's right. They went 1-0 up. So they had a very quick turnaround. Uh, yeah, and um, it wasn't them at their best. But uh, mm. West Ham, the thing is, is that West Ham look very, very slender um, in terms of if Michel Antonio is clearly struggling a little bit. Just he's been, he's played a lot. He looks pretty knackered. He's not quite the force that he was. Jared Bowen didn't have his best game. Love Jared Bowen. I think he's a great player. Uh, Declan Rice was excellent. But you feel like an injury to one of these players, including Thomas Suchek or any of the defenders, because mm. they're so thin at the back anyway, mm. and West Ham are going to have a problem. And I remember thinking, so this is why every department of your football club needs to work well. So you can have your players, you can have your manager, your coaching staff, technical support staff, your ownership. If one department isn't performing well or isn't complementing the rest of the activity of the football club, eventually it's going to show. Mm. So what you'd say over the last sort of 18 months is West Ham have done brilliantly, play some excellent football, the growth of some of the individual players in that team has been outstanding. David Moyes has done a terrific job, but there has been a failure to properly supplement that first team, which is starting to show. If you if you add up all the, the games in hand, and I know it doesn't work like this, but if you add up all the games in hand around West Ham and you are going to adjust their position accordingly, they fall to about seventh or eighth. And I feel like that's a reflection of not Moyes, not the players, just there isn't the strength and depth there at the mm. moment. And that needs to be addressed over the summer. Particularly if Declan Rice leaves, of course. You know Wolves and how I think we think of them as being quite good and that the yeah. manager's done a very good job, which mm. I do actually think they are horrifically overperforming on expected goals. Are they? So they, they should they should plummet. So for example, expected goals against oh, is um thirty four point seven six. There's various models. Yeah. This particular one I've got is understat, it's a website you get. There's very different you can ones. Cite that understat. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah. But they've been able to get different models in different places. But this one has them at thirty four point seven six expected goals against. As as goals in, that's conceded. the number of goals they should have conceded. Yeah, they've actually the conceded. Chances. Yeah, they've actually conceded so thirty four point seven six versus actual goals conceded of twenty one. Whoa! I'd, I'd almost what, fourteen goal difference. And think about how well Jose Sara's played this season as well. So if you take his yeah. performance out of it, 
that's quite concerning. And they just don't they don't create a lot of good chances, which is the worry. They just they have to be hardly very, very score. efficient. And yeah. they're underperforming in that as well. So they've scored fewer goals than they should have really? according to XG as well. That's yeah. interesting. It's okay. weird. That that is this weird. happens. And once it balances out, they'll plummet and you'll think, oh, he's not doing very well, the manager. But I think they're decent. So Okay. Weird. Everton nil won Manchester City. Nothing particularly interesting here. Awful Michael Keane mistake to lose the game, Seb, I think. Uh, But we should talk about the VAR decision because it's left me baffled about how the handball laws should now be interpreted. Yeah, the thing about this is that I don't care whether that is a penalty or isn't, but earlier in the season, uh, Luka Milovojevic, Palace midfielder, was punished for not a similar situation, an identical one. Oh. Hit him in hit him in the same way he tried to control the ball with that sort of part of the shoulder. Sure. Uh, the arm. It, nah, it's kind of yeah, but it's important. It's in it's, it's the one that you pointed at your arm. Yeah, but it's sure. it's kind of this is the problem because where we were told that yeah. where does the arm start? Bottom of the shirt line. But it's the same position, hits him in the same place. So either both of these are a penalty or they're both not. Yeah. But which one is wrong? Now I think this is one of the kind of the problems with uh PGI MOL. PGML, ah, that. The Pogmole. Um, the Pogmole. Because. Lord of the Rings. Especially when it's come to, especially when it's come to handballs, what tends to happen is instead of just doing the mea culpa and coming out and say, yeah, we messed that up, mistake, got that wrong, they tweak the rule. They create yeah, some kind, sure. they create a context in which no mistake was actually made and everyone gets a little bit more confused. Which, How many letters have you sent to the PGML? Oh, <laughs> More over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, it's been my kind of my sole focus. Sure. Yeah, past yeah. few weeks. Are they getting meaner? No, they're getting less responsive. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean you. Are your letters getting meaner? Oh, uh, less coherent. I don't know about meaner. Yeah. I mean, I, I think probably some of the meanness gets lost in that lack of articulation. But, sure. You know. um, but yeah, so a mess and um, yeah, not helpful. Not helpful. No. Um, maybe there'll be a, a clarification coming up soon, but uh, Monday afternoon, as yet, there is none. Which well, is I do hope so. My favourite part of every week is the PGML clarification. But I, it, it is interesting because it's no, sure. kind of perversely fun to see the yeah. knots in which they will, the way in which they'll contort yeah. themselves to, yeah, to yeah, avoid yeah. saying, yeah, we got yeah. that wrong. It's more, yeah, PGML, more like Cirque du Soleil. Huh? It's very nice. Because of the contortion. Yeah, no, I understood. I understood. It was very clever. Circus freaks. Well, that's ghost probably the end, boy. isn't it? Ghost, ghost, oh, ghost rum. Ghost rum. Ghost rum. He's not rum. sad, it's just the rain. I'm JJ ghost Bull, boy. and the Super League is good. It's a video on Tifo IRL. You can watch that. Oh, we should tell Subscribe. people to watch the, um, the Tifo cool. show. Very Please cool. watch the Tifo football show. Um, JJ, do you want to tell people what that is? We've made this show, which is the, all the things we're doing on TIFO IRL. The TIFO football show. Yes. And we do it in a studio that's very space age. And uh, so all many guests, we have many people doing things where we answer the questions that you give us. So mm. if you ask this question on uh, YouTube or on Twitter, we're going to try and find them, collate them, and then choose the ones that we like. And we're going to try and make explanations for all different kinds of questions. Yeah, if you go to to TIFO IRL, look for the TIFO football show. Uh, You'll see that the first episode was released on uh, Monday. And uh, you can leave, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer... Um, as a listener to this podcast, then drop them in the comments there, or you can tweet at JJ is probably the best one at JJ underscore bull, 
or keep an eye out on YouTube. But we also release uh, the occasional community post where we ask for questions and responses, so mm. you can leave them there too. But plenty of ways to access us. I do encourage you to go and watch that though, because it was a lot of fun for us to make, and uh, we think it's a good thing. There we go. Um, well, Seb Stafford Bloor, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Danke schön. Oh, danke schön. Yes. And uh, JJ Bull the Bullard, thank you. Ghost boy. Ghost boy. Uh, we'll be back next week with something uh, basically the same as this. Uh, and until then, take care, all the best, and uh, goodbye. <laughs>